Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today, we are continuing our devotional reading and Bible study through Matthew chapter 26. And we're picking up at verse 36. So if you're just joining us, I would encourage you to go, at least go back to yesterday so you don't miss the beginning portion of this chapter. And we're this is part of a larger series that we're doing, which is an introduction to the gospel series where we started with the gospel of Matthew. And I just share some of the history and the background of the culture to help you understand better. If you'd like to dive a little bit deeper, we have extra resources available. You can head to shehears.org or go to the show notes. We have all sorts of things from journaling prompts to a kid's episode to ad-free episodes and all sorts of things to help you hear God's voice more clearly. So I'm picking up at verse 36 and I'm reading from the NASB version. It's a long one today, so we're going to get right into it. The Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and told his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him, and he began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying so that you do not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cup cannot pass away unless I drink from it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let's go. Behold, the one who is betraying me is near. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, came accompanied by a large crowd with swords and clubs, who came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he who was betraying him gave them a sign previously, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Arrest him. And immediately Judas went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you have come for. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and arrested him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached and drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into place, for all those who take up the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? How then would the scriptures be fulfilled, which say that it must happen this way? At that time, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as you would against a man inciting a revolt? Every day I used to sit within the temple grounds teaching and you did not arrest me. But all this has taken place so that the scriptures of the prophets will be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. Those who had arrested Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were gathered together. 
But Peter was following him at a distance and as far as the courtyard of the high priest, and he came inside and sat down with the officers to see the outcome. Now the chief priests and the entire council kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus so that they might put him to death. They did not find any, and even though many false witnesses came forward, but later on two came forward and stated, this man stated, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. The high priest stood up and said to him, do you offer no answer for what these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent, and the high priest said to him, I place you under oath by the living God to tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has blasphemed. What further need do we have of witnesses? See, you have now heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spit in his face and beat him with their fists, and others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, you Christ, who is the one who hit you? Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a slave woman came to him and said, You too were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are talking about. When he had gone out to the gateway, another slave woman saw him and said to those who were there, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth, and again he denied it with an oath, I do not know the man. A little later, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, You really are one of them as well, since even the way you talk gives you away. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the statement that Jesus had made, Before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. So there's a lot in this passage, and most of it I think that you are probably pretty familiar with if you've been in the church or have heard the Easter story or the events leading up to the Easter story. This is pretty familiar territory for you. Just a couple things I want to point out as we meditate on this passage of God's Word. So the time would have been about 10 or 11 o'clock at night by the time they arrived at Gethsemane, and that was really late in that culture. Gethsemane is the olive grove, the garden. And there was probably an olive press there. That's what actually the name Gethsemane means. A Gethsemane is an olive oil press. And so it was on the western slope of the base of the Mount of Olives, and it was facing Jerusalem. During Passover, remember we talked about Passover yesterday. During Passover, that night had to be spent within the boundaries of Jerusalem, which did not include Bethany. Bethany was outside of Jerusalem. So they went here to stay the night, and they would not return to Bethany at all that night. So. It starts talking about the grief that Jesus is experiencing, and that is really common to the Old Testament understanding and language around grief. There's just an agony around it. And so Jesus is very much acting with accordance to the Old Testament and most people at the time where he's talking about and thinking about the experience of death with just utter anguish and sorrow. And then the cup that he's talking about is talking about the Old Testament image of the cup of judgment, which was given out to the nations. And the people that would have been hearing this from Matthew, the original hearers of this message, they would have really been impressed by that because they're looking at this idea of God's will being followed, even to the point of being harmed himself. And they would have seen Jesus as really virtuous. And then there's this talk about standing watch. So the disciples should have been standing watch, just like the porters would have been standing watch at a door. They should have been standing watch at the edge of the garden. At that time frame, you have to remember, too, this is Passover night. 
what would have been typical would have been to stay up late on Passover night. They would have often, every Passover, probably their entire lives up until this point, they would have stayed up really, really late. So it wasn't unimaginable for them to stay up late just because it was this watch that they're supposed to be taking in the garden. This is Passover night. They should have been staying up late anyway. And then what we see next is the temple guard arrives and they are likely armed with weapons and prepared for a resistance from this revolutionary messiah figure that's claiming to be a messiah and they come prepared for basically a fight and then what we see happen next is the betrayal now you may be wondering why a kiss and as judas comes in and he kisses jesus and he makes this move towards him it was a way that was evident to the temple guard to those people that this kiss would be a sign to make it absolutely certain that they had the right person. And that kiss of Judas would also help keep the other disciples' suspicions at bay because the large party that was approaching them, if he was with them, they would have been immediately suspicious if he came in charging and they they would have had a, a bigger fight on their hands. But instead, he comes in and he kisses Jesus so they don't immediately suspect that anything's wrong. And in that culture, it was normal to have a light kiss on the lips as a sign of greeting or affection, especially among family members and close friends. And even the way that a disciple would honor their teacher, their rabbi, it was just a motion of affection. And so the kiss of Judas is a real act of betrayal and hypocrisy, really, because the ancient value system, the ethics that were involved in that Jewish culture, especially with regard to friendship and covenant loyalty, anybody that was reading or hearing this information, they would have been horrified by the way that Judas betrayed his rabbi with a kiss. And so that betrayal is just all the more raw. And then Jesus makes a statement. So they're fighting and they're prepared to fight to the death, probably. And basically, Jesus makes this statement about the legions. Now, legions typically had about 6,000 soldiers. So Jesus is saying that at his word, he could summon about 72,000 angels. That would have been one legion per disciple. And so even if that was a human army, of that size, it could have easily crushed the whole entire temple guard and probably the entire fortress that they came from many times over. But nobody had an army that big, let alone one made of angels. I mean, in all of Syria at that time, they only had three legions and a force that size of angels, of course, could have easily defeated any human army. And so his point that he's making is, look, I'm not helpless in this scenario. I'm allowing this to happen. And I have to sit back and think about that for a minute. It's not that Jesus was taken against his will. Now, in some regards, he did just show that, okay, God, I'm going to follow your will, but I would love for you to take this cup from me. And, and God did not choose that. So Jesus's obedience to the will of the Father is clear, but he is laying down his life intentionally. Don't miss that. And then the Sanhedrin is meeting and they're meeting in the temple. And it was probably a last minute meeting. They probably didn't even invite the people that they knew that were going to object to all of this that was going on. But having a meeting, a secret meeting at night without any kind of advance notice, what they were doing was really shady. And actually, it was illegal in that culture, the way that their legal system was set up. It would have been illegal to hold it that way because capital trials 
were supposed to meet during the day. And then only after the trial had lasted all day, then the court might render a verdict. They might even wait to the next day. The only time that they would not do that was in the case of extreme criminals that needed to be dealt with right away. They also would not typically do that during a festival. In fact, the Pharisees had rules forbidding any kind of executions at festivals unless it was a super serious and heinous crime. And so... The Sanhedrin, which, of course, is these rich religious leaders, they are not going to pay very close attention to the rules of the Pharisees because they knew they had to hurry up before the popularity of the crowds forced them to either release Jesus or make him so much more of a hero. And they're trying to minimize that damage with the crowds. And so they probably did not even invite the people that they knew that were going to vote in opposition to them. And so all of it All of these ancient ethics were really violated, and it's evidence that their agenda, their political agenda, was kind of trumping the ethical culture of the time. And so they take Jesus away, and then we see Peter trespassing at the house of Caiaphas. And, you know, just think about Peter and Peter's boldness. I just love Peter. But trespassing at the high priest's house on this private property That took a lot of courage and boldness from Peter and the guards would have been temple guards. And so they would have been surrounding the area, waiting to see what the results of the trial were. And so for Peter to just sneak in there, oh my gosh, the guy's got some guts. But then what happens? It's so quickly what happens is there was this false testimony that's happening, which even that, that false testimony, once that happened, it should have thrown out the case altogether, but they continue, they continue to pursue this. And so they condemn Jesus and then they find Peter and that slave servant girl calls him out and says, hey, you're one of the followers of Jesus. And he says, oh, no, I don't even know what you're talking about. And they likely recognize him because remember where this is at. It's really near the temple. Those servants that served near the temple probably had gotten a really good look at Jesus and the disciples throughout that time frame when he was teaching in the temple. And then after that, another one talks about his accent because the Jews that were from Galilee had a different accent than the Jews that were from Judea or Jerusalem. And so it it was almost like if you think about Spanish speaking countries, I've been to Costa Rica and I've been to the Dominican Republic. I can tell you that even though they both speak Spanish, it sounds incredibly different because of the region that they're from. And so she is saying, hey, you have a Galilean accent. And it was only natural to assume that a Galilean leader had Galilean disciples. And so what happens very quickly within a span of just a short period of time, Peter has then denied Jesus three times. And then, of course, Peter is immediately remorseful and sorrowful for the betrayal of Jesus. And so given all of that insight, I'm going to go back and I'm going to reread this portion starting at verse 36. It says, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and told his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so you men could not watch with me for one hour. Keep watching and praying so that you do not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cup cannot pass away unless I drink from it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let's go. Behold, the one who is betraying me is near. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, who came, accompanied by a large crowd with swords and clubs, who came from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now he who was betraying him gave them a sign previously, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one, arrest him. And immediately Judas went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you have come for. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and arrested him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached and drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all those who take up the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? How then would the scriptures be fulfilled, which say that it must happen this way? At that time, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as you would a man inciting a revolt? Every day I used to sit within the temple grounds teaching, and you did not arrest me. But all this has taken place so that the scriptures of the prophets will be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. Those who had arrested Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were gathered together. But Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest, and he came inside and sat down with the officers to see the outcome. Now the chief priests and the entire council kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus, so that they might put him to death. They did not find any, even though many false witnesses came forward. But later on, two came forward and said, This man stated, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. The high priest stood up and said to him, Do you offer no answer for what these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest said to him, I place you under oath by the living God to tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He is blasphemed. What further need do we have of witnesses? So you have now heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spit in his face and beat him with their fists, and others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, you Christ, who is the one who hit you? Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a slave woman came to him and said, You too were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you're talking about. When he had gone out to the gateway, another slave woman saw him and said to those who were there, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. A little later, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, You really are one of them as well, since even the way you talk gives you away. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the statement that Jesus had made, Before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Let's pray. God, uh, it just is so hard to read some of these words and realize all of the things that came into place for any of this to even happen. God, and just this realization that you willingly laid your life down for ours, God. You could have commanded armies to come to your defense. Human armies would not have stood a chance against your angel armies. But yet you willingly laid down your life so that you could fulfill God's plan for your life so that we could be with you eternally. God, we just thank you so much. God, help us to be humbled 
and recognize and understand the power of that statement and what it means to be loved by you. God, I pray even right now that you would overwhelm my friends with your love for them today and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, friends, real quick. By the end of the month, we're trying to get 30 children total sponsored with Compassion International. If you head to compassion.com forward slash hearing Jesus, you can select one of more than 100 children that have been specifically designated as highly vulnerable. And one of my hearts is that we, as part of the Hearing Jesus community, will be able to make a difference in the life of a child, a child that is highly vulnerable to exploitation. You can make the difference with the hope of the gospel. Check it out at compassion.com forward slash hearing Jesus. Okay, friends, thanks for listening. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going. Keep going.